Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Hi. thought I would uh, keep you in suspense for a moment. Uh, I bring you greetings um, from our dear friend in Orlando, Florida, Pastor Sam Hinn. Uh, celebrated his three-year anniversary last week. Pastor Sam, God bless you. So proud of you. And he said to tell all of you hi. So you want to tell him hi back? Good. We'll get that recorded and shoot it to him. I want you to just grab your Bibles, your iPads, your iPhones, whatever else you have, your Samsung, your Galaxy, your universe. Hold your Bibles up, stand, stand. Come on. Is this your first time here? I'm messing with you because some of you are going, yeah, it is. Matter of fact, we just do this because we want to remind ourselves why we're here. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess... My mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to turn your Bibles to Psalm 23. We're doing a series on friends, our friendship. And the reason we're doing this is because as we kick off the year, there's probably a lot of things we want, just surface things. Uh, resolutions, lose weight, get a new house, new car, you know, we dream of all these things. But the reality is, all of the things that we want, whether it's money, new car, new jobs, all of the things that we want are shallow without someone to share them with, without people to call friends. You know, if you, if you, if you go golfing, you make a hole in one and nobody's there, it's just not that much fun. I mean, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't know, but I can only imagine that if you made a hole in one, there wasn't anyone there to share that moment with, then it'd be kind of empty. You'd say, well, I made a hole in one, but nobody's going to believe me. And so we all need people in our lives to share wonderful moments with as well as difficult moments with. And most of us in life spend our whole life wanting friends. And you say, well, is that a bad thing? No, but let me say this to you. It'd be better if you spent your whole life being a friend, and then you would never want for a friend. So if we can learn how to be friends and and we can learn how to be proactive in developing relationships and friendships, then we'll never be alone. But if we sit around waiting on everybody to come to us and we're critical of the people who don't and don't do life our way and don't do things our way, you're not going to have a lot of friends. And you know what? If if you're you're arrogant enough to say, that's all right, you know, I'm close to God and great, glad you're close to God. But the reality is we all were born to be a friend, and to have friends. And we all need that. We really do. The Bible tells us it's not good for man to be alone. And that's not just talking about a spouse. It's talking about really everything. It's not good for us to be alone. The Bible says two are better than one. A strand of three cords is not easily broken. We see them multiply. One puts a thousand to flight. Two puts ten thousand to flight. We see in the Bible this, this need for us to not stand alone. And so last week, I talked about uh, uh, friendship attributes. What, what are the things that we look for as we're looking for friends? Obviously, we want to find people that make us better. 
We want to find people that we feel like we will contribute to their life and that having them around us, they will be better. In other words, you don't want two negative people hanging out together. Negative plus negative equals double negative. And, and you don't want negative. You don't want people who are constantly criticizing. It doesn't say that God sent his son into the world to critique the world so the world through him might be judged. It said God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. God in that moment was demonstrating what it looks like to become a friend. And that the whole world would need that friend named Jesus. We would all need him. And, and so God looked ahead and said, you know what, they're not doing anything right now. They're waiting. At that time, the Israelites or the Jewish people were waiting on the Messiah. They happened to miss him when he came. But they were waiting. They were wanting. They were desiring. But they missed him. And, and a lot of times, we're waiting, we're wanting, desiring. And in the midst of that process, we're not doing and being what God would want us to be in order to be the, have the relationships that we desire to have. And so it's very, very important that we know how to be a friend. If you show yourself friendly, you will have friends. You don't have to worry about that. But if all you ever do is gripe about being left out, the people at the office didn't invite me to go out after work. Show up anyway. It's not off limits for you to go to the same restaurant they're going to. And just, you know, just buy them an appetizer or something. And they'll go, where'd that come from? I just wanted to be a friend. If you buy an appetizer, next thing you know, you'll be eating dinner with them. People always love it when you buy food. So is that what it takes? That's shallow. No, it's not. It's called, I want to do unto others as I would have them do unto me. I want to be a friend. Now, a lot of times, and I began with this two weeks ago, saying that uh, it begins at home. Sometimes you, you say, well, you know, your husband, you're a husband, and, and that's how you define yourself. Or if you're a woman, I'm a wife, and that's how you define yourself. And certainly that is a title given when you get married. But the reality is, I see this every now and then on Facebook, and you all know how much I hate Facebook. I mean, I just feel like most people lie on there. Uh, they speak what they want to happen in their marriage so that their husband reads it and goes, mm, oh, yeah, okay. But, but the most of the time, it's, it's not legit. It's just posting on my hate Facebook. But, but anyway, you know, then we got friends. They call them friends on there. And are they really, really friends? Are they people that you engage with? Are they people you do life with? And, and I talked about last week saying, okay, hold on, hold on. It's maybe my wife or maybe my husband. These may be my children. But how many of you can really call them a friend? And I love it when I see this on Facebook. I love, this is my best friend. Well, you know it's their spouse because you know them. But I love it when they call them their best friend. To me, that speaks more to me than saying this is my husband, this is my wife. Anybody can have a husband or wife to get married. And trust me, it ain't that difficult. Everybody's out there shopping. I mean, every day is Black Friday. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and most of us are on sale. Anyway, so, <laughs> I should go biblical here real quick. Uh, 
you know, I'm a, I'm a baby boomer, which means my dad was a baby builder. And that's not like Build-A-Bear. Uh, it's baby builder. So that generation, my dad grew up in a family of 12 extremely poor. And so my dad learned survival techniques. Now, let, let me get, make this point. Most of us, because of our sin nature, fallen nature, if you were born and you're a baby boomer, you learn incredible survival techniques. First off, you're supposed to be tough. Suck it up, buttercup. You know, you're never supposed to have feelings or emotions, and we're supposed to be tough, especially if we're men. And so as a result of that, we didn't really learn how to be friends. We learned how to be co-laborers or co-workers or, you know, uh, coexisting, cohabitating, whatever, even though they're married. The, the, the process is really, in that, that day, your parents weren't really best friends. It's just that the two of them decided they didn't want to live alone and they wanted to have kids to help them mow the lawn, take out the trash, and do other things. Um, now, I love my mom and dad. My dad has since gone to heaven. My mother doesn't know who I am. I haven't known me for four or five years. And, but, but I look and remember, you know, they were great parents, but we were not taught how to be friends. We were taught how to work hard. And, and we were taught how to respect authority and honor our mother, mother and father. But the reality is, as I got older in my mid-20s, I wanted to be a friend to my parents. And, you know, that was off limits. Your parents were pretty much at 16, you were taught, we're going to raise you, teach you how to work, and you're on your own. So I didn't have a friendship with my dad. I loved him. I honored him. I respected him. Uh, he was a great dad. But I didn't have a friendship. And in my late 20s... There was one thing I came to realize as I had an emotional breakdown and collapsed in my bathroom one morning getting ready for school because I was getting up at 3.30 every morning, working uh, at UPS until 9 o'clock, getting off, going to school, coming home, studying, and doing that and repetitively. And I was basically killing myself for one reason, is I wanted the approval of my father. And so often what we do in making friends is what we're really trying to do is I want to find people who approve of me. I want to make, find people who will validate who I am. And, and, and so I will go to any degree or extent to do that. So you marry the wrong person. You're out with the wrong people because they approve of you. I'm not talking about friendship based on approval. I'm talking about friendship that is divinely ordained that you know you're in that relationship or that friendship to, to sharpen one another. The Bible says one man sharpens another as iron sharpens iron. And that we're called to sharpen one another. So what happened after that event, I went to a counselor and I was, I was a mess. I was just, just, just a mess. And I was 28 years old. And finally the counselor got to the bottom of it and said, why are you doing all of this? What came back to my wanting a relationship with my dad? But I was going about it in an unhealthy way. How many of you know that there are a lot of friendships and relationships that have the foundation of those is unhealthy? Because basically what you do is you create a friend that feeds your weakness and deficiency instead of calls out your best and expects it to happen. And, and that means that they put demands on you, not like demands for you to change or be better, but, but demands on you for your gift and your talent and your, the best in you to come out of you. And they say things like, you, you can do that. Don't ever put yourself down. Quit calling yourself fat and just call yourself pleasantly plump. Something different than that. You know, just, just encourage him. You look great the way you are. You're awesome. You're incredible. And, and all of a sudden, in doing that, you create this, you, you start creating something in somebody they never saw before. And they start getting better. And they start getting happier. And they quit eating buckets of fried chicken. 
How many of you know most people eat just to, just to medicate? That's our society. We're depressed. We're lonely. We don't have friends. And we eat. And you know what? It's, friendship's not based on how fit we look or anything. It's based on, look, I love you the way you are. Be the best you can be. And so what I started doing with my dad, because in my day, men did not hug men. It just didn't happen. I mean, you know, it was a bro, punch you on the chest or the arm. You know, men still do that because we're so insecure. <laughs> Women, I really opened the door for you, and you failed miserably in that response. <laughs> you can say, amen. They all are. All men, amen. That means multiple men. Amen, not amen. So I began, every time I saw my dad, I would go up to my dad, and I would go to his house, and I, and I would go up, and I, first time, I felt like God says, you, if you want to be a friend to your dad, show yourself friendly to him. I'd go up and hug him, and he would turn into a statue. I mean, he didn't know what to do. And then I looked at him, and I said, Dad, I love you. And he's like, okay, but he spoke in tongues. That's how my friendship with my dad began. He didn't instigate it. I did. Some of you have been sitting around waiting on people you love to become your friend. And it's not going to happen until you show yourself friendly to them. Amen. We can have friends, but we must be friendly. And we, we don't have to wait on an invitation to be kind and friendly to other people. Just And, you know, if it irritates them, just smile. Enjoy it. It's okay. Don't worry about their approval. Now, Psalm 23, and I did not preach out of this in the first worship experience today. But I'm down there worshiping, and I'm thinking, God, I want to I reveal what it's like to be a friend. And I look at Psalm 23, and I can't get a better picture of what it's like to have a friend like God. You know, I don't, I used to, I thought God was just, he's going to be the judge of the world. He's the creator of heaven and earth. He's the creator of life. He's the creator and, and he is the judge and he is, you know, authoritative. He is the healer. And we see all these things, Jehovah Jireh, he's our provider and all the things that God does for us. But I want God to do things with me, not just for me. I want to be a friend of God. Guess what? And God wants us to be a friend to him. The problem is that most people see God as a judge. And some people see him as a mean dictator, a jealous God. And, and their, their view of God is totally uh, toxic. And as a result of that, if I can't be a friend of God, I'm probably not going to be a great friend to you. And so my goal is to be a friend of God. And I know that he loves me. As a matter of fact, I, I got to tell you all, I, I really believe I'm his favorite. And I know that may irritate some of you, but I, I know God is just mad about me. I mean, he's with me all the time. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. He just hangs out with me everywhere I go. I mean, it doesn't matter where I go. God is there. Even when I was lost without him, he'd bar hop with me. I did that for the sake of all you religious people. No, everywhere I went, God went. That's just how it was. Why? Because my mama prayed. And she commissioned God to follow me everywhere I went. He never left me. He was my designated driver. 
Now, I want you to understand, we have so created God as this mystic being that we can't relate to him. And because we can't relate to him, we can't relate to one another. This is the kind of friend he is. The Lord is my shepherd. He's the one who cares for me and watches over me. Think about this as a friend. He's always there. It doesn't say he's my dictator. It doesn't say he's my leader. It doesn't say he's my driver. You know, there are cattle drives, but you don't drive sheep. Sheep are led. So he didn't call us a herd of cattle. He called us sheep. Why? Because you lead sheep. God will never drive you. He'll care for you. He'll comfort you. He'll be there to protect you. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He creates this incredible place for us to live. This incredible comfort for our lives. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. What kind of friend are you? Are you the kind of friend that when somebody leaves, their soul is restored or it's broken up, beat up, battered, judged, criticized, critiqued? What kind of friend? You say, but somebody's got to hold their feet to the fire. That somebody is not you. You are not the Holy Spirit. I am sorry to tell you. You are a person called by God to encourage one another daily. To not judge each other. To not always throw your two cents in. If somebody didn't ask for you two cents, quit giving them a nickel. You know what? Unless somebody asks for your opinion, it typically means they don't want it. Why are we so free to throw our opinions around? Instead of throwing your opinions around, start throwing your prayers to heaven. That's what friends do. That's how we should treat one another and comfort one another. Why? The Holy Spirit is our comforter. Well, if that's who the Holy Spirit is, He's a friend. That's who we're called to be, is comforters. We're supposed to what? As Christians, be Christ-like. We're supposed to act like God. We're supposed to love like God. We're supposed to forgive like God. We're supposed to do everything like God. We're not called to be God. We're called to be like God. And He is a friend. He is a shepherd. He leads us beside still waters. He restores our soul. That's what we're called to do to other people. If you don't have friends, uh, might want to look in the mirror and see who the common denominator is. Oops, I just crossed the line on purpose. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Hold it. If I'm God and you want to go through the valley of the shadow of death, see you on the other side if you make it. No, he said, if you're going to walk that way, I'm walking that way. I'm going with you. Mother Teresa put it this way. There are people who come into your life as a blessing, and there are other people who come into your life as a lesson. We just have to know which one's which. But true friendship is not about holding other people's feet to the fire. It's about holding a fire of warmth so that when they're cold and feeling abandoned and left out, that you're there to warm their life. Friendship 
is not always convenient. As a matter of fact, friendship is sometimes costly. A true friend is there when someone is in their darkest hour. You know, you've heard it said, a friend is someone who walks into your life when everybody else walks out. And you know who your true friends are in those dark times. They're the ones that call you. They're the ones that when you call them, they're there. But in order to experience that kind of friendship, there is a principle of sowing and reaping. What are you sowing into other people's lives? At the end of a conversation, at the end of a night out, what will be said about your investment in them? Did you encourage them? Did you send them away feeling better about themselves? You know, to me, friendship, it, it will just cost. Last October, I was invited to a 30-year celebration of a friend of mine who I went to college with, built a huge church, great church in Austin, Texas, Rob Koch and his wife, Laura, very dear friends of mine, precious people. And uh, the, the church actually was having a... Uh, surprise celebration for them and it was just a few people from around the country uh, that had participated and done life with them uh, since we were in college over 30 years ago and uh, for the last 20 years Rob and I and two other guys from college have gotten together every year uh, we've all pastored big churches and one of them ran one of the biggest youth outreaches in in the world in teen mania filled the silver dome jerry ford spoke there and so these we're all very busy but we've all decided that our friendship is vital and critical to our future success to our being who god wants us to be and so when we get together we pray for one another we encourage one another we make time and you know some people say well i just don't have time for friends let me say this to you and never forget this you always have the time to do the things you really want to do if you want to be a friend of God, it takes time to be a friend of God. Not on his part, because he, he never leaves us or forsakes us. But that's how come I tell you, make time for God every day. Make time for God's house every week. That you, when you make time, what you're demonstrating is, God, I want your friendship. I desire to be a friend of yours. And God's already made sure that we know he wants to be our friend. When he looked at the disciples, Jesus did and said, I no longer call you servants. I call you friend. I don't know about you guys, but I, I like friends. And, and in my life, I got too busy. And, and so uh, when I was invited to this thing in November, uh, I didn't want to go. And, and you think, well, it's a great trip. You get to go to Austin. You get, and, and I call Rick, uh, who is one of my dearest friends, and uh, Pastor Rick, who is always with us in heart, but always all over the world. And uh, I'm happy for him. But I always call him, and he says, you need to go. And man, when he said that, it resonated deeply in me because I thought, I don't have time. I don't have time to go. I'm busy. I'm pastoring a church, trying to lead a staff and trying to do what I do. How many of you just heard I, I, I? That means you're not a good friend if everything's I. I'm busy. I got to do this. I have responsibilities. I, I, I. Listen, friendship will require sacrifice and time uh, in order to, to develop and evolve. And so I, I immediately booked a flight, and his son had called me, Pastor Rob's son, because Rob didn't know this was happening. And it was, again, about 100 of us invited, and uh, it was at a very exclusive place. And he, and he asked me if I was coming. I said, yeah, I'm coming. And if I would go back and I look at what that cost, time-wise, money-wise, I'd look and say, wow, is this really worth it? Let me say something to you. 
God thought you and I were such of such great value and worth that he gave the only son that he had for us. And he left heaven to come to earth as a perfect human, fully human, fully God, to give his life for us to say, I want to be your friend. I want to be your friend. I don't want to just be your creator. I don't want to just be your savior. I want to be your friend. And you know, I want this culture, the culture of Mosaic Church OKC. I want people, I don't want them to say, the worship was off the charts. Preaching, unbelievable. That is not the goal here. The goal here is to cultivate a culture of love and kindness and friendship and relationship that says, you know what, I didn't hear one thing. He said, I didn't know one song they sung, but when I walked through those doors, five people hugged my neck and shook my hand, and they acted at least like they were glad I was here. I would go to that church just because, and there's free coffee and donuts. We do everything we can to elevate your cholesterol. We're all about elevating everything. And so I ended up going to, to this thing in Austin. And uh, when I got there, I fully expected that our other two friends would be there because there are four of us. And I fully expected the other two to be there. Now, if they're watching this, I'm not trying to elevate myself or condemn them. I'm just, I was shocked because I thought, you know what? Uh, if I had not gone, here's what it would have said to me, not just to him, that I was taking my friendship for granted. If I don't go, Rob and I will still be friends. Yes, we would. But I wanted to make a statement to him that I would get on an airplane and fly across the waters to show you you are my friend and I will always be there for you. And it takes something. When Sam Hinn called me and said, Mark, I want you to come and preach my three-year anniversary in Orlando last weekend. What am I going to say? He's my friend. And this is the biggest celebration of this man's comeback. You have no idea the hell he's gone through. And I wanted to say to Sam, you know what, Sam? You are a friend, and I'll be a friend, and I will come. Now, you guys have to understand that we don't, friendship doesn't mean we always agree. I mean, if you have two kids and a wife, you don't agree on almost anything. You can't agree on a restaurant to go eat at. And remember, friendship starts at home. Yeah, over here, y'all already argued about where you were going, right? Yeah, right after church, they're already going, hey, was he in our car? You know, I've done this for a very, very long time. And for a lot of that time, I did it wrong. I would look and say, what needs to be said, what needs to be done, not what... God do you want me to do now I will tell you I'm going to follow the Holy Ghost the rest of my life and y'all can follow him with me or you can get mad at me but I'm going to follow the Holy Spirit and I would expect the same from you follow the Holy Ghost don't do your own thing you're not called to be the judge you're called to be a friend you're not called to be a critic. 
You're called to be a follower of Christ. We're called to encourage one another every day as long as it's called today. That's what we're called to do. And the culture of Mosaic Church, okay, is going to be that. Okay, see, that's what this is going to be. I read a book once that, you know, we used to always talk about vision and goals for the new year. And what, what's it going to look like? What's it going to be like? What do you, what's your vision? Your vision will never be as important as your culture. If you have a vision for success for your children at home, and yet you have a culture that demands perfection, and you're always criticizing your kids, even if the vision happens, they'll be miserable because the culture was without love and grace and mercy. Amen. Create a culture that, that cultivates uh, inspiration and encouragement. A culture that says whether you fall on your face or you rise to higher heights than I could ever imagine. I want you to know I love you and my grace is extended to you. And I'll be a friend to you on your darkest day, in your worst hour. I'm not condoning what you're doing to kill yourself. But let me just tell you something. I'm there. You know, I know there are people I can call. I, I, Brian, the guy that hangs out with me, that y'all wonder why, he's, he's my friend. My staff is my friend. I'm no better than any Mark Ryan stand up here talking. I'm saying, my, my staff, don't, they don't work for me. They work with me. We are friends. We stick together. We believe in each other. We don't rule over each other. If I call Brian and say, Brian, look, man, I need you to come and get me. You know what? I have an expectation that he's going to do it. Why? Because he's my friend. It's not because I take him for granted. He's my friend. If he calls me and Brian says, I need something from you, I'm going to be there if I can be there. That's what friends do. We make sacrifices. We compromise. We do things. That's what friendship is. God compromised with mankind. He said, y'all are a mess. I could kill all of you and start over. He said, but I'm going to compromise. I'm going to invest my son into your world and into your life. And he's going to be more than a savior. He's going to be a friend who never leaves you and never forsakes you. In your darkest hour, he's going to be there for you. You can expect it. Why? Because the Lord is our shepherd. We don't have to want. It begins at home. Your wife, your husband, that's a title. The key is that they've got to be your best friend. So instead of saying, what do I expect of them? Even though I expect things from Brian, Brian expects them, but we're friends. I have a higher expectation of myself than I do of Brian. I expect that if Brian's my friend, I expect me to do things that, that need to be done if they need to be done. Now, obviously, friendship is, is limited. I mean, Jesus had 12 disciples. That's all he had. And I'm not sure that that's the measurement of how many friends we can have with some success. But I would venture to say that you can't do that for 150 people. So you know what? We're starting community groups. Why? Because we want to break this church down into friendship groups where we create community. An opportunity for you to do life together. And we want to facilitate that. So we want you to sign up. We want you to get involved. This is not about how many groups we can have. This is about how many friendships we can cultivate. How many friendships we can develop. I don't know about y'all, but I like friends. I don't like doing life alone. The Bible tells us that we're better together than we are apart. Not good for a man to be alone. Two are better than one. If one puts a thousand to flight, two could put ten thousand to flight. I mean, all these things in the Bible. A strand of three cords is not easily broken. 
Two or more are gathered together in my name. There I am in the midst of them. We see all of these things in the Bible that tell us that we need to be together. Gathering here on Sunday morning is critical to your, your mental health, your emotional health, your spiritual growth, which will affect your, spirit, your, your physical health as well. And those watching online, even now, you're a part of this, this community, and, and you're listening, and, and you can learn how to be a friend that is very, very unique. Uh, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to uh, Proverbs 18. I want to read this to you. It's very, very uh, good scripture. 18.24 One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, that friend, in some theologians' minds became Jesus, the friend who sticks closer than a brother. If you want reliable friends, be a reliable friend. Demonstrate attributes that I'm willing to sacrifice, I'm willing to compromise. Now, please understand, I know what some of you are thinking, because if you're a thinker, you're thinking, well, what about, and you've got all these little questions about what if they do this, what if they do that. The real question is, are you called to be the friend to that person or those people? Are you called to be a friend? I know I'm called to be a friend to the group of friends I have. And there have been times I've not wanted to be. It's inconvenient. It's difficult. We're in different places at different times. We're at different places in life. But I've realized if I want to have friends, I need to be friendly. I received a phone call from a young man. 20 years my junior, from Arizona. He had heard about me, and he was going through the very same thing I was going through. For years now, I've been on the phone with him. Sometimes as many as four or five days a week. I have never met him face to face. But I have talked to him about the pains and the struggles and the hurts, everything in his life, from being absolutely destitute Losing everything to sleeping on a floor. Today, that man, after four years walking with him, God has done miraculous things. In the last six months, he got a church in Alabama. He met a beautiful woman. He's getting married in March. And out of everybody in his world, he calls me. And he says, would you do my wedding? I have never met this man face to face. But I was a friend to him for nearly four years on the phone. Now, I'm not boasting about me. I'm saying in there were times I'm going, I'm going through my own stuff. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to invest in your life. When you make an investment and it's, it, it, you, you're going to get the return. The Bible says that it, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. If you sow love and kindness and friendship into people, you're going to get it back. You're going to have more friends than you have time for. Because you show yourself friendly. I want us to be a church known for friendships, relationships, that we do life together. Yeah, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to do things that each other doesn't like. But if you value people, 
and you see the worth in them that God sees in them, then you'll treat them the way God treats them. Grace is the foundation for every relationship. It's the first step to a second chance. Grace is not blind. It just sees the best in others. It doesn't mean that you don't question and challenge and sharpen. I'm not saying that. But you do it with redemption in mind, not punishment. Have you ever noticed there's, there's a difference when you address somebody and say, you know, I care so much about you. And I know God has given you so much that neither of us has completely seen. And I want to be the person that helps bring that out of you. We look at everything through the filter of good and bad. And quite frankly, I don't think most of us know what good or bad is. But I do know this. I know what healthy and unhealthy is. And a healthy relationship is the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He cares for me. He cares for you. Therefore, I need to care for you and love you. You need to love me. Instead of criticizing someone first, why don't you go in prayer to God and say, God, I love this person so much. Would you show me how I can help them? And when God shows you how to help somebody, it doesn't come off as mean and judgmental. It comes off as redemptive and caring. Be nice to people. Pray for people. Love people. Encourage people. You'll never run short of friends. Never. When people are mean to you, be kind back. The Bible says if someone asks for your shirt, give them your coat. They ask you to go one mile, go two. That's what friends do. And sometimes that's hard. Why? Because we haven't crucified our flesh. And so before you lash out, give your opinion that nobody asked for. Be nice. Be kind. Be encouraging. We can't reach a city, change a nation, and touch the world without going outside these walls. God has given me friends all over the world. And I'm going to be a better friend than I've ever been to those friends all over the world. And as a result of that, Mosaic is going to be friends to people all over the world. That's what we're called to do. Wherever you go, be a friend. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for loving us so much that you sent Jesus to be our friend. Not just our Savior, not just our Lord, but our friend. Some religious people have a hard time seeing Jesus as a friend. But that's what he called the disciples. And if he did it for them, he'll do it for us because the word says he doesn't show favoritism. So, Lord, today our pursuit is friendship with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, those of you watching online, pausing just for a moment. When I first got born again, I gave my life to Jesus to avoid hell. I had no thoughts or dreams of being close to him or having a friendship with him because nobody taught me that. Even my earthly father was my father. Sad to say, most of my life he wasn't my friend. He was my father. I honored and respected him in the latter years of his life. I called him friend. Don't wait to be a friend to everyone in your world starting with Jesus. Maybe you've not made Jesus the Lord of your life because 
you've never thought about the intimacy involved with that, the friendship that you can have with him, the relationship, sharing your darkest moments, your deepest pains, your filthiest words, whatever it might be, he's that friend that sticks closer than a brother. And there are those of you that have not made him friend or Lord. And today you say, I want to make him my friend. Would you please pray for me? I'm not done that. I don't have a friend in Jesus. Well, he's crying out to you today and asking you if you would please be his friend. He has friend requested you, if you will, today. Will you respond and confirm? If that's you and you've not done that, would you just simply, heads bowed, eyes closed, slip your hand up, put it right back down. Say, today, I'm making that adjustment. Just lift them. Yes, back here, back here. Thank you. Are there others? You say, that's me. Thank you. Others, thank you. Thank you. God bless you, so many of you today. Those of you online, I know that you're feeling this and you're saying, what do I do? Just right where you're at. Just lift your hand, put it right back down. Just acknowledge, God, I need you. I want to be a friend and I want you to be my friend. Yes, thank you. Let's all pray this prayer together. Those watching online, those in here, say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins and to become my friend. Today, Jesus, I accept your friend request. I accept your lordship. I repent of my sin. You are my savior, my Lord, and my friend. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.